You're listening to Contesting Wrestling, Minisode 39. We are reflecting on our first hour main feed episode with Ref Chris Levin, which was incredibly fa- a fascinating journey through wrestling history uh, with a sharp and incisive mind. And then also our premium episode where we rewatched some Lucha Underground and delved a bit into the rather hubristically named greatest wrestling match ever or greatest wrestling match of all time eh, i can't remember ever it, it um, was i not. personally <laughs> it was not i personally have had a great week this week because i didn't watch any wrestling because uh we recorded a whole bunch over the last few weeks so i could not have to worry about it while i am taking a very intensive college course over the summer while i did still watch a ton of wrestling this i watched week. aew it, dynamite can i just say it was great <laughs> I, it was i'm just uh I do let's actually get into that watch, in a moment i do actually want to watch dynamite i should do that this but weekend. um i found it, it it's very refreshing for me as well to be able to come here and only be talking for 20 minutes loosely about whatever we want and not having the pressure of two hour plus episodes. Of I can feel my butthole unclench. <laughs> yeah. we, we recorded for about 18 hours total last week. So this is, uh, this is, we, it we, was a nice change. We can, if we have Evan's to. flower intake is down 36%. Uh, well it's, but now it's now, but now it's just cornstarch instead. <laughs> Cause I can't switch to the corn. It's just the raw starches. Cause I'm still, cause class is a very, Stressful, thing, especially mm-hmm. science class where you can't fake your way through it. You just have to memorize a bunch of shit that well, I failed to learn. Is, uh, the cornstarch is gluten-free. As long right? as you're not chugging vinegar and then spoonfuls of baking soda. I mean, that's what I call, <laughs> uh, it's a little thing I like to call the inside funsies. <laughs> <laughs> Katie, uh, speaking of dynamite this week, um, that there's a great little interaction between Orange Cassidy and Jericho after... Uh, following their match from the previous week, I sent it to the group. I don't know if Evan watched it. It's it's okay if you didn't. I didn't. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's okay. You'll 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 watch it for your. I will own watch. He was busy it's shitting specifically his, the, He was busy shitting his brains out from the baking soda and vinegar. Yeah, <laughs> it's specifically the uh, the Jericho Orange Cassidy segment. It's very amusing. If uh, you know, dynamite's cool, but I know that that's the good stuff. Jericho for the rest of the episode steals the rest of the episode just on commentary screaming. Just letting uh, our listeners know, in several weeks, uh, we'll have an episode that we already recorded with Dr. Carrie Lynn Reinhard, uh, where we talk about the second night of AEW Fighter Fest, which was last week. That, I thought, was a great hour of uh, AEW. This week was, was pretty good. Wasn't quite up on, to that level. It was, it was fun. You know, in contrast to most of what the WWE does, this was a lot of fun. Uh, AEW, it's like everybody seems like they want to be there and are having a good time, whereas everybody in the WWE, like, it's etched on their face, like, like think happy thoughts, think happy thoughts, think happy thoughts, or they're going to erase me, you know? And I, it's just uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, that's why, like, that's exactly what me and Doc were talking about. Like, AEW seems like wrestling. Yeah. It just seems like everybody's having a good time, which is something that you don't really find a lot, which is important in entertainment, I would say, especially something that's supposed to be fun while you're watching it. I think a lot of the traditionalists are just like, damn it, it wasn't fun for me. (laughs) I suffered greatly. 
how can these guys get off, you know, having a career without suffering to the degree that I did? I think that there has been a cultural shift uh, in general in that the fans now care more about the well-being of the performers than they did 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 years ago. Where, like, you know, I don't think the people in the crowd of the Thez Rogers match cared if either of those guys were having fun. In fact, for a second, when Buddy Rogers holds onto the ropes, doesn't run them, and does his little strut and has some fun, the crowd does not like it at all. As opposed I mean, it's to very now, American. Where, well, now people are a lot more, you know, celebrities in general or any kind of public figures are a lot more humanized. There's way more of them than there used to be where you can identify people. I think it's very traditionally American and hopefully changing that we don't take kindly to people enjoying themselves in public. Yes, <laughs> it was. It was I had that at work. I realized that when I I went to Germany and just like everyone, you know, they have like all these outdoor areas where people are drinking and smoking hash and kids are playing amongst them and everyone's like okay having a good time and then you go dancing in their various clubs and they're very welcoming and not weird and. Uh, clicky and and underground because they have to be like they are around here. Right. We 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 have this we have this culture of rebellion that has been distilled and expanded and distilled and expanded for you know. Uh, I mean, I hate to say it. Well, since the beginning of the country, really, it's very woven into the American experience. But th- the problem with that becomes. If that's part of your big identity, you don't necessarily have anything worthy to rebel against. And a lot of the times you're not rebelling against anything. And even that was overdone by the media 70 years ago. Uh, I've I've heard it described as um, it's kind of like it's like we have a this is part of I listened to something um, about this earlier today. uh, Part of a cultic milieu is a term coined by a man whose name. I just forgot, despite listening to this podcast only a few hours ago, where basically everybody, um, there is a perception that if there is a widely held belief, it must not be true. Mm. Yeah, and that becomes a big problem sometimes. Especially when you combine it with the fact that we have always felt that our individual expressions of freedom are A, not having to do anything anybody tells us to do, and B, not having to care or think about anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> both of those concepts have some worth. But when you take both of those concepts as the center of your identity, it just kind of makes you an asshole. And, and it might it make mean, you a dangerous asshole at that. Yes. It might mean that we're incapable of coming out of a, a global pandemic that could... Uh, otherwise have been easily controlled yeah yeah oh we've been <laughs> I, I i've been talking to uh to a friend of all of ours um but um uh you know a, a friend uh that ben and i go way back with um who recently moved to vietnam um a country that had 369 cases and zero deaths right. uh and just talking about the the difference there and not not to say that there's not you know that they don't have their own issues over there, certainly, but just that it, it there there did seem to be a concept like, oh, hey, this is all of our problems. We all we do all need to work together because to, this is a problem that affects all of us, which is still even an, on on an individual level. Sometimes, as an individual, you also are part of a collective. 
I don't know. And there's a reason this. why our authorities are authorities. Yeah. Maybe because we have institutions that, you know, control for their quality of knowledge and things like that, such that when our health officials tell us something is a good idea, we might what listen to, to them. What gets to me is why does it have to be a partisan issue? Why does it have to be a political issue? It's not a political issue. It's like a health issue. It's not right versus left. It's let's 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 all not die. No, I, and I will say I I think being being as generous as possible, being as 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 empathetic as possible towards views that I still do not necessarily share. Like, you know, you can only jam hardcore propaganda down people's throats for so many decades before there starts to be a real problem. And there's also the problem that like fail. This is also an example of where failures in leadership then create other problems. Like I always feel like, you know, anti-vaxxers, yes, might be kind of ridiculous, but the FDA like has not been a flawless institution. Do I think that that then means that you should then be like, of, you know, like, fuck, I, I, I'm not gonna, you know, in, uh, vaccinate my children against major diseases. No, that's clearly a giant and ridiculous stretch, but it's not like it's, in, it's not like it's crazy for people to be suspicious of a lot of our institutions that have not lived up to what they are supposed to live up My to. My thing is, the problem with the anti-vaxxers is it's not going to affect their children for the most part. It, it when, when their kid gets measles, their kid will probably be fine, but then their kid will transmit measles at school oh, yeah. to all the immunocompromised children who will then die. And don't think I'm like de defend defending it in any way or shape or form or anything like that. I'm just I'm, re I'm really you're, you're, trying to. I get what you're saying. You're getting there, you're you're, you know. you're getting where the you're putting yourself in a place to understand where the mindset comes from. Yeah, yes. I mean they don't under they don't have a basic sort of foundation of scientific knowledge that would allow them to assess such claims for themselves either. You know, like, right. Exactly. Just because I don't think you're right doesn't mean that I'm right. Like, I think part of it is just also a lack of conceptual subtlety. Conceptual like, subtlety. Leading to... Ben with the words like, again. Like, <laughs> up, up, guys, but Ben drawing, is drawing rubbing on... his balls on his PhD again. Yes, as always. But draw, drawing on what Doc said, you know, you're saying like, oh, if, if I'm... If you're wrong, I must be right kind of thing. And that sort of binary thinking. I was thinking about this in the context of wrestling. Like, you know... The question has always been, you know, is wrestling real or fake? And the second you start to think about that, you realize that the way that the, the question is structured is wrong. Um, or just because something being real or fake depends on a lot of things. It depends on, you know, the specific thing you're talking about and a particular standard of realness that is in play in this particular case. So to take an example. Well, Doc, what were you? I was saying? just gonna say I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna go on for a while. <laughs> no, that's that's fine. It's not a long thing. It's like, is wrestling real or fake? Well, I would I would postulate that wrestling is absolutely real. I've done it. I've gone to shows where people have done it. <laughs> it's an actual tell thing me that, that exists. I haven't. There's a lot of video right. of people doing it. Right. But I think I think that goes into what you're saying, where it's like, well, let's analyze the statement and right. what it really means. So, like, take something like a table. And you can see how this will lead us back to wrestling inevitably. I like, can. Like, what's a real table? 
Well, in a certain sense, a table is something that, you know, can hold stuff up, right? You can put things on it and it will hold them up. So if you're asking if it's a real table, well, will it hold stuff up or is it like a hologram, right? So, so that's, that's one context in which you might be talking about the realness of a table. But the context in this case matters. Someone else might say, okay, well, no, no, I get that it holds stuff up. But now we're getting to wrestling. You know, was it like rigged to break? You know, is is it is it an, a, a table that you would find in the wild, you know, or is it some kind of specially constructed table? And it's like, well, you know, it is. A t- let's say it's the Indies. It is a table we found in the wild. We picked the table that, you know, didn't have a whole bunch of like metal. Um, uh, um, you keep saying saying table in the wild and all I can think is we went to uh, Brazil to the rainforest of the Amazon and we found tables in their natural habitat and we lassoed the (laughs) finest tables and brought them into captivity as Big E puts it and we'll talk about in several weeks they are beautiful creatures (laughs) right that we need to protect so so, th- so I mean, we're talking about real tables. Yes. Now, right? um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so then we, you know, well, I thought that's rest- what we were debating. Right. Right. So yeah. then you get to WWE, and it's like, well, okay, they're real tables. They'll hold stuff up. They do mass produce them so they can get the table that has just the right um, proportion of like sturdiness, so that it won't break just from standing on it or laying someone on top of it, but that it will break fairly easily when someone goes through it, and it will break fairly cleanly. Watching the announce tables specifically, which are different than like the wooden tables that crack, at some point when table spots started to get really big in the WWE, they started constructing these tables that you've never seen anywhere else, and they fall apart like like a toy set that was meant to snap together and then explode when you hit it with something so you can put it back together. Not that they'll reuse these tables, but they're designed specifically to break like that. And interestingly, it took them a while to figure out that proportion that I'm talking about. Yeah. So for years, you know, Triple H would get up to do the pedigree and they'd just fall through the table before he could do it. It'd just stand there with the guy bent over and then one of the legs gave out and they all just collapse. But the problem was they kept reinforcing it but the wrestler started to get smaller. So then they had the really well-reinforced tables, and then you got guys like, I don't know, Ricochet or something. Alexa Bliss. <laughs> Alexa you know, Bliss. Who has and tried now- and tried to do table spots, and her, like, 110-pound frame just oh, bounces yeah, off of them. hundred. Maybe 110 because she's only like what five feet tall. She's like five feet tall. Yeah. Keep in mind she's probably vet more muscular. She's probably more think. like 120. Honestly, she's probably more Perhaps. than 110. Uh, but now look how far we've gotten away from the question of whether the tables are real or not. Right. The 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 more you examine it, the more nuance you realize there is to the issue. The more fake and real really don't cover it anymore. And that's true for wrestling in general. And that's fucking true for news, too. Right? right? Like, fake news doesn't is not informative. Right? That's not an informative designation. You know, you can have reporters um, exaggerate things. You can have them editorialize. You can have them make a big deal about something that's not actually re- a really important issue while uh, avoiding the actual issue. Right? I would go, I would even take that analogy one step further and say that, so in wrestling, even quote unquote real wrestling, like amateur wrestling, is still arguably 
fake wrestling. It's still arguably a gamified facsimile of yeah. actual combat or an actual struggle, right? And it's sort yeah, of so like, is football, right? Exa- like football is <laughs> yeah. a simulation of combat. And news, even when it is like quote, even when it's good news, even when it's like you know well researched and well sourced and put together in an in an informative way, where there's not really a, such a thing as unbiased, but like where the bias is clear so you can sort of make your own deductions from it even that is still like a controlled environment where somebody took a bunch of facts and strung them together into a narrative yeah and if and if that didn't happen if it was just a list of things that have happened objectively nobody would read or watch it because that's actually a lot harder to understand without yes. a narrative of any kind and you just need because it to is have that things cons- to connect because we think of things as happening in a certain order to people or things and just because it is structured in that narrative way and to some degree a fabrication doesn't mean it's all fake, right? Doesn't mean that right. it's valueless. Is, is it fake when Brock Lesnar does a German suplex to somebody when in when like there like is the realer version Brock Lesnar in some sort of an amateur wrestling match where they are like competitively wrestling for real? Or would the real thing just be that if Brock Lesnar, if some guy picked a fight with Brock Lesnar outside of a bar and Brock Lesnar was so worried about his only, he was my only answer is to give this guy a for real German suplex, which probably would kill somebody if Brock Lesnar for real German suplexed them. Maybe depending on how they landed. Yeah, that, that's yeah. actually a lot of it. I'll, rem- I'll tell you. I'll tell you a wrestling training story. One of the first times I ever trained with uh, with Mr. Drew Gulak, um, he said uh, he said to me, "Can you take a German suplex?" And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "All right." And then he just grabbed me by the waist, and <laughs> I was gonna go one way or another. Now. I was not lying. He gave me like three of them. I landed properly and did not injure myself. And he seemed satisfied and the training continued. If I was lying to him, I would have landed on my head and it would have been my fault. Um, you knew so, how to take yeah. a bump. Oh, well, yeah, I knew right? how to take a like, bump. I knew like to tuck my chin and to get my shoulders out. You know, that's if you know what you're looking for, you can see how taking a German suplex isn't isn't the worst thing in the world. If Brock Lesnar really wanted to German suplex somebody, he'd probably keep his body tight to theirs instead of going for the spectacular overhead throws that he does that the other person not only helps them with, but it makes it easier for the other person to bump because they can take more of their own bump. I have a feeling it's kind of like being thrown into the pool to learn how to swim. Like, if someone's like, okay, now I'm going to give you a German suplex, you might freak out and do something really awkward with your body. Whereas if they just give it to you, you know, your instincts kick in. And if you have some bumping instincts, you, you end up doing it right. Right. It became, I mean, this is kind of an extension of all this. It became so popular in Japan for a while to do those high angle back suplexes where people would land on the top of their head for real, for real all the time. And eventually Mizawa died. You know, don't do that. It's not worth it. No matter how big the belts are. And I wanted to just mention one thing in reference to the, the Chris Levin episode. Man, in the Buddy Rogers Luthez match, that belt was tiny. It was absolutely the belts have just tiny. Gotten it, was, hilariously it was tiny. It was an actual yeah. belt. That's what it was. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was a little They've decorative, just gotten but bigger it was a belt. and bigger. It I was, guess I guess Big Goldie is the is the biggest one, right? The Big Gold. One of them. WCW. I mean, the what was what's the one that uh, Cabana Man Dan has right now? Oh yes. 
I believe it's called the New South Championship. You know, I'm finding a picture of this and putting it in our little Slack chat uh, so Evan can see this because it is it is notable. I've met Cabana Man Dan a few times. It's it's a well, hold on. I'm I'm finding it on his Twitter. Cabana uh, Man Dan. Cabana yeah, I, Man Dan. He's in. I know him from uh, XSW and this uh, I've seen this belt in XSW. Yeah. So I, I just put in uh, I just put in our little Zoom chat the picture well, of a, Excuse me. Cabana Man Dan's New South Championship Wrestling Belt. Um, it is a magnificent piece. It's huge, isn't Cabana it? Cabana Man Dan is cool. Uh, yeah, and he, he travels around Does with it and defends it. Does that say DUI on it? I, maybe? No, no, it says New South. You're reading the O-U and I oh, in the okay. middle of it. All right, there we Oh, now I see it. Okay, I was like, that's not something anybody should commemorate. I, I asked him about it. He said it was, uh, it came out bigger than he thought it would, but he was happy. <laughs> so that is, yeah. I mean, yeah, if he forged, if he hand forged this, that's a pretty good, uh, that's some quality forging. There is a whole subculture in, uh, of wrestling fans, especially wrestling fans that like have a bunch of money to like collect real belts. Um, and I imagine that this one will one day be an interesting collectible for some people. All right. Final thoughts? Nothing? Uh, do we yeah, have anything to say guess, about... Um, that... Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, listeners, if you are not familiar with... Um, oh, I'm going to start that again. So, listeners, you uh, probably know that we have a Patreon uh, that we release premium episodes on every week. Uh, maybe you don't know that one of... We're doing a series, uh, so like every few episodes that come out uh, where I am watching Lucha Underground um, at the behest yeah. of Ben, Doc, and Katie. Um, it's a great time. We, it is. It really is. Uh, soon we are going to unlock the first uh, of those premium episodes right here on the main feed, so get ready for that in the next few weeks. Um, things are a little things are a little wacky behind the scenes right now in contesting wrestling, but they'll all be back on track by mid-August. The episodes will still come out regularly, so don't worry about it. Um Hoping to have, yeah. Um, I just feel like it's important to be open. <laughs> yeah, if we didn't tell with you, our, with you our twenty-seven even listeners, know. Um, twenty-seven to forty-two depends on the week. Um, we are what else? Oh, and also, uh, at at this time of great upheaval, there are many causes you should be t- spending your time and money uh, donating to. Um, you know, it's sometimes at, uh, us asking for five bucks. On our Patreon, I can feel a little much. So I will say, if it's t- if you only have one unit of five dollars, or you have multiple, but like you know you don't necessarily want to, uh, you're torn between giving five dollars to these organizations. Yes, uh, between that or us, we don't want you, you have to have like to make one that decision. Disposable so um, there's links down below to some organizations uh, you should donate your time and or money to, and if you do get a receipt. From that, take a screenshot, send it to us at ContestingW on Twitter, and we will send you a link where you can download those premium episodes anyway without having to give us the five bucks because it's important. We got to, we got it's, you know, look, I, we're all tired. It's been, it's been a while. The momentum kind of died down a bit, but there are still protests. My butthole is still slightly country. clenched. Yeah, it's all, we're all wound up. They're snatching people in unmarked vans in Portland. That's like actually happening. So, you know, there's, there's a lot to be done here.
Yeah, just in general, I think we have more and more reason to protest the fucking, uh, like we've been talking about before, lack of leadership from the federal government. The fact that where do it find things are getting worse and worse here (laughs) for uh, now? Luckily, yeah, virus not in New York City where we are so much, but everywhere else. Um, like the uprising, I think is going to be a lot more extreme. Um, so uh, on that note, this goes on, right? I mean, it should be. Thank you, everybody for listening we love you uh yeah we love you take care of yourselves out there stay safe um this this week uh this monday um get ready for a very exciting installment of contesting wrestling where we will metaphorically be in your house in your house this has been in your house yeah, if you are also in your house and we are coming out of speakers And I guess house, literally our are voices in your will house. be there. We are literalists here at Contesting yeah. Wrestling. Especially and Ben. If you, don't know, <laughs> if you don't know what we're referencing, like I would not have known before we record this episode, yeah. just get ready. Just when we're in your house, we'll explain it to you. We'll explain it to you in your house. This has been Contesting Wrestling. Thank you. Bye. We love you.